Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to our special Rainstop Play preview of the 2022 T20 Blast. Uh, today, Zach and I are joined by John Welch, co-founder of The Cricket Draft, a fantastic fantasy cricket game that covers multiple tournaments across the world. Today, we're going to be focusing on The Cricket Draft's T20 Blast game, which is live now and ready for the tournament, which is commencing tomorrow. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us. Zach and I are really excited for this one. Um, how are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Of course, of course. Zach, uh, how are you doing? You were just telling me about some of your cricketing exploits. How's your How's your week been? Yeah, good, apart from uh, taking one to the rib yesterday that then fell onto the stumps, which is unlucky, but also seems to happen quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, Zach has a, has a knack of getting out in rather bizarre ways. Um, my sporting exploits this week, I was in goal for our seven-a-side soccer. I have to say soccer. It's a soccer league, sadly, over here in Iowa. Um, and we lost our fourth consecutive game of the season. We lost 3-1 instead of 8-2, which was the week prior. I actually lost track of the amount of goals I let in that game. Not many of which, I'll be honest, were fully my fault. Um, we actually had a ball. And honestly, I, I said to uh, I said to my uh, girlfriend, Violet, you know, a bad workman does blame their tools. But we had a really slippy football this um, <laughs> this uh, this weekend. I just could not seem to grasp it. Uh, nothing directly leading to a goal, but it was a pretty, pretty horrible um, hour of hour of play. And we were... You know, we were the deserved losers, sadly. Um, John, for you, you mentioned just before we started, you know, recording officially, you've had a bit of a tough season. Any particular lowlights or highlights that you'd like to share with us before we dive in? Uh, no, well, actually, I wasn't playing, but a couple of weeks ago, we played the the league favourites. We managed to have Michael Pepper in their their ranks, and uh, I believe he hit 100 off about 56 balls. Um, so it was a rather chastening experience. <laughs> I love it when you, when you get really just rogue um, rogue players appearing in uh, in what should be uh, a bit of fun cricket at the weekend. Love that. Um, OK, so, yeah, moving on with the pod. A lot to get through. This should be a really exciting and interesting pod for for listeners this week. So before we dive into the cricket draft and really get get talking with John about the mechanics there, we do want to give listeners a quick refresher of the T20 Blast tournament. We know a lot of our listeners are international, which is awesome. So um, just a quick overview of, of, of what it is and how it works just in case folks listening don't know um so starting with last year um kent were triumphant on finals day beating somerset in the final um, by 25 runs edgebaston 
a result, of course, which was really tough to take for Zach and I. Zach, do you have any kind of memories of, of, of that day? Some great fielding is all I can remember. The rest I've tried to erase. I was I was actually uh, at a, a friend of ours, Stagdu, in Birmingham at a curry house trying to watch it on my phone. And it was it was horrible because I was getting messages from you that were well in advance of what I was watching on my phone. And it was, oh, Banton's up first ball to Denley. And I the, the game hadn't started for me. And I was like, well, this is it is going terribly. Yeah, it was it was a hard watch. The, the semi-final was brilliant, though, because Somerset came from nowhere. But yeah, Jordan Cox, amazing catch. I think that's kind of the memorable moment from the blast last year. Yeah, some amazing fielding stuck with me. I, I just have this picture, Zach, of you at the, the you at the Curry House, like a, a few tears in your eyes, and everyone's like, it, "Did you did you order something too strong, mate? Was it was it just too much?" And you're just like, "No, no, no." Um, yeah, that was that was pretty sad for Somerset fans. Um, but this matchup, Kent versus Somerset, will also be the first game of the 2022 20, season, which is great. So I hope Somerset can reclaim some pride and start the season strongly. Not that we're biased or anything like that here at Rainstock Play, as I say in my special. Somerset shirt I've got on um, and also um, Kent or a team pod favorite ta- uh, Tom Banton who we will be talking about a little bit later loves to play against he does average 61 at a remarkable strike rate of 179 against them and he smashed a beautiful 100 against them last season so we'll keep that in mind as we move into my draft team a little bit later on Talking of this year's edition of the Blast, it is the 20th edition ever, which, lest we forget, is the world's longest running professional domestic 2020 competition. Easy to forget in the age of, you know, the IPL, Big Bash and all the fantastic international tournaments. But it's a format, strangely enough, that obviously did start in England. Um, The format for the Blast is remaining pretty much the same as last year. There's the usual north and south split, and each county is going to play 14 group stage matches, seven at home and seven away nice and even uh, the top four teams from each division north and south will play in the quarterfinals it's a seeded draw so if you finish top you're going to play a team that didn't do as well and the winners of those matches will progress to my favorite day on the cricket calendar finals day um zach just before we move over to john and get stuck into the draft am i right in saying zach that i think this season calendar wise is a bit more condensed are we playing the final a bit a bit sooner than we did last year yeah so the the finals day is in the middle of July. It's on the 18th of, sorry, the 16th of July this year. So rather than the last year, we had the groups in kind of June time. And then we had the quarterfinals about a month later. And then we had the finals day in September, which felt very, it was really hard to keep up with the blast because it was, it kept coming and going. But this time they've condensed it in. So we've got, we've got, we're going to have a round of county championship in the middle, which is often, often the way it works. But it's kind of the blast happens over the next month and a half. And then it's done, which is quite nice. And I think it makes it much easier to keep on top of things and will make it much easier to keep track of your fantasy team. Absolutely. That is a nice segue. It's also a really great way for for international players um, to stay and play in the final, because I know a lot of people had conflicting uh, you know, um, contracts with either international teams and or other franchises, which was really frustrating. So we should see, hopefully, the best of the best competing at finals day, which is what it's all about. I was lucky enough to go to one a couple of years ago, quite a while ago, actually, and it was truly one of the best days of my life. Uh, anyway, John, thank you again for joining us. We're really, really excited to, to dive into this. Um, so obviously, you've, you know, you've co-founded um, the Cricket Draft. Um, and just to get us started, just to give listeners some context um, for the game, um, you know, how long has it been running and you know how did you get started what what really motivated you to to get involved with this 
Well, it goes back to actually, I was uh, an avid um, Daily Telegraph fantasy cricket player. Uh, and that unfortunately fell by the wayside, I think in 2019, potentially 2018, 2019. And I, I remember getting to the next cricket season, there was no fancy cricket to be played. So that immediately sort of uh, put me on high alert, as it were, because um, I was desperate to, to get a game in. And um, I didn't really think about it for the rest of that year. Then, then when nothing materialised um, in 2020, I sort of uh, started speaking to a, a friend of mine who was also a, a keen player. And we, we thought we'd we'd sort of investigate how how easy or hard it was to to set one up and see if we could get one going. And then it sort of snowballed a little bit from there. So we 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 spent late 2021, early 2022, oh sorry, late 2020, uh, early 2021 to sort of get everything going and and um, speak to companies, to tech companies to try and get it all up and running. Um, and yeah, spoke to the PCA to try and get a, a nice um, link going with them because we wanted to do everything properly, speak, do everything through the right channels, um, and and try and make it a, you know as an official a game as possible. And um, we, we we sort of managed to get that off the ground, and and it started off really nicely for us. So we're very happy with where it is at the moment. And that's a fantastic overview. Thank you for the detail there. And that's funny because I I played the uh, Telegraph game for County Championship. Me and Dan, who's a who's a, one of the co-founders and co-hosts of of our podcast, we we played it for a season and really enjoyed it. And I didn't realise I was going to ask you that actually, um, how you compared. So it's really interesting that you filled that gap that the the Telegraph game left. Um, obviously it's great you got the you know the PCA, um you know, commitment and, and you're working together there. How does it work uh, just out of interest through through funding? How how, how much does it cost, I guess, to, to, to do this? I love the story, right? You want to play it, so why not make it? But how does that work, I guess, more logistically? Not that my wife will probably listen to this because she hates cricket, but I'm not going to give you an official number because it's all personal funds at the moment for mine and my co-founders. So I'll keep it under wraps at the moment. But it's, it's a reasonable amount of money, but at the moment it's very much a passion project and we're, we're very happy with how it's going, we're really enjoying. We're we're loving the fact, you know, other people seem to be playing it and and having really good fun with it. Um, we're trying to keep it free to play, just so as many people can use it as possible. Then, you know, over time, what we're really looking for is some some sort of marketing uh, to come to come up and and sort of uh, you know try and maybe take the naming rights of the game and all these kind of things. We've got lots of little ways of trying to monetize it in the future, but at the moment, it's very much get the game out there, try and get as many people playing it as possible, enjoying it, and then and seeing how we get on really. And yeah, I mean, I think that's working, seems to be working really well. You can't, I don't think you can go on Twitter any day and not see someone's county championship team at the moment or people talking about who they're bringing in for the county championship or everyone stressing at 10.30. I think it was last week when Beddingham wasn't playing and, you know, it, it's the thing on cricket Twitter at the moment, it seems, which is which is brilliant and, and must be great to see from your side. Yeah, that's no, very exciting. Um, I was unfortunately one of the people who missed out of Potts and Beddingham not playing because I ridiculously set a meeting at 10.30, which went to about 11.15. So I completely missed the transfer window, which someone remind me um, was a much, a very much a schoolboy error. So I've learned my lesson um, half to do now very quickly. But yeah, no, it is great. And um, there are, the Twitter has actually just been, I know it gets a bad rap uh, for a, sort of a lot of negativity, but this so far, so far, fingers crossed, touch with all those things, has been a really positive experience on cricket Twitter. And, you know, people have been very much, uh, you know, singing the praise of the game so far and um, and and really engaging with it. And it's, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. That's fantastic. And John, I feel like as a, as a co-founder, and this is, you know, you and your your, your other founders passion project, there's a bit of pressure for you to be doing quite well at this. How, how has your record been in, in recent months? 
Yeah, um, I, the first one I, we did was actually last year's Blast. Uh, so we're almost at our one year anniversary. I think it was May 25th, actually, which was the first day of the Blast this year. And I think I finished eighth overall in that one. So um, that that was good. But I didn't I didn't shout too loudly from the rooftops because there might have been people calling foul a little bit on that one. So I kept it quite quiet. But then since then, actually, I've very much averaged, weirdly, I think I think we've had six other tournaments. I've averaged in the I've been in the 200s every single time by one, I think. Um, so, OK, I'd say without being uh, particularly special. But there, I have to say there's a few people who have joined in recent times who just seem to be absolutely phenomenal at it. I don't know what they you know, all the spreadsheets they must have behind the Excel documents, all that kind of stuff are, you know, are, are really sort of flourishing, I think. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to compete anymore. I'm just going to need a bit of luck now. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I think you're talking to one of those people in Zach, and I'm looking forward to him explaining his uh, his methods in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you could say that, but then if you look at my county championship team and how that's doing, it doesn't look like there's any strategy or anything because it comes to it comes to doing transfers, and then I realise it basically every week four four of my players aren't playing, so I have to make two transfers that are just kind of hoping that something happens with them, and I keep picking the wrong people to be cap- my captain. It's my problem. It's always the way it goes. It's the captain. Um, yeah, got a couple more questions just about the logistics. Um, I guess for the draft especially, you know, um, for the blast one that we've got coming up, um, Zach and I are really keen to see um, how the point system works. So how are you, how are you scoring players? You know, how, how are you calculating who's doing well? Is it as simple as runs and wickets or is there a lot more to it than that? Um, so... Yeah, this is, this is quite an interesting subject matter. The point scoring, obviously, is the key to it all. And we started off relatively simplistic in our approach last year, just because that felt... We, what we wanted to also do is is appeal to anyone, brand new to cricket, um, but equally not make it so simple that uh, it put people off who understood the game really well. So we tried to keep enough sort of nuance within it to, to, to keep it interesting, but without overcomplicating it. As time's gone on with the 2020 stuff, what we've realised is that, uh, you know, most... 2020 tournaments are dominated by the open batsmen who their people would pick and uh, and the leg spinners and the, the bowlers at the death if you're just doing you know runs and wickets as it were so we've we've tried to build on that and we've actually again through cricket twitter um met a couple of really fantastic and helpful people um one of a chap called chris dixon um who's been unbelievably helpful the scoring system for the 2020 stuff and we we, we went hard at the ipl with a slightly more complicated, should we say, scoring system, but involved everything to do with economy, economy rates and strike rates, which we know now are just hugely important. Like scoring 16 off four balls is a match-winning innings in in many regards, um, which with the point scoring as it was previous, you would get 16 points. Whereas actually we know that now if you go in and do that at the end of an innings, that, could be, that should be worth as much as someone getting 40 off 29 balls, as it were. So what we've done now is really try to enable it that every player has an opportunity to to score really well. Um, so that gives you far, hopefully you won't have the same players being picked because people look at their T20 makeups in a much more different way. There is, we had probably overpunished, I think, um, slow scorers and um, high economy rates in the IPL. So we've pull, pulled that back a little bit. Um, but there is negative point scoring as well. If you go for, well, essentially if you get smashed as a bowler or you, you block the bejesus out of it with the bat um you'll get slightly punished um but other than that it's 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 pretty simple i mean if you wanted to look at it if your batsmen score big and they score quickly they'll get loads of points if they if they bowl really tightly and take wickets they'll get loads of points if they get smashed they won't they'll get negative and if they you know i say get sort of 20 off 25 balls they're gonna they're gonna score poorly so it, it can be as simple as you want it but if you want to really look in depth like like zach potentially will do 
um, you, you'll hopefully um, find all those bits and pieces, those special players out there that, that other people won't get. Are there any? I know for the county championship, uh, there's a minus. I think it's minus twenty-five for a duck. Is that? And is there anything for that in the blast at all, or is that? Yes, yeah, and you also so you get minus points. So now, um, if you go, um, I'll give you rather than sort of a little bit of guesswork, I'll give you the exact bits and pieces. But you, um, if you score at a strike rate of a hundred to 120 you get minus five and then it sort of works back from there so minus 10 if you go at 95 to 110 minus 20 if you go to 75 to 95 and so on um that only kicks in though after 12 balls or 16 runs whichever one comes in first um so that if you you know you're not not every single player is going to get punished if you, but it, what it does suggest is if you get naught off two balls that's potentially a better innings than than three off 11 balls and um, so it's trying to to sort of you know put that into practice as well and very much the same with the bowling. If you if you start going at over 8.5, you get a tiny little kind of minus five. But if you start going at nines and tens, which, again, can be really significant, you start going slightly big into the bigger uh, minus points. What's really important for us, though, is we want to concentrate on the, the positive performance of the players. And um, so we very much want it built around the idea that we want people to be looking at how amazing these performances are by players and not looking at, at potentially how you know they may have had a negative impact on the game so we're very aware of that and want to make sure that that's at the, the forefront yeah i personally think the positive strike rate thing is so important because when i've played t20 fantasy games in the past it's been you basically pick six opening batters is what mm. you do because there's no benefit to really picking someone who's good he, even though the person who will only face 20 balls is the match winner they're the finisher there's not that much benefit to them because even if they hit 50 off 20 balls they're not going to do that anywhere near as often as the person who's going to hit 50 or 40 balls or hit more than that whereas then and they're never going to hit more than 50 more than 50 really whereas in this with the kind of i see double if you get 200 strike rate you get double points so you know it means players for example like tim david who seems to just consistently strike at over 200 he is so valuable, even though in kind of other games he may not have been in the past, because, like I said, he, he won't face that many balls in an innings generally. That's exactly right. So rather than everyone picking Jason Roy, Alex Hales, James Vince, um, you now will look at David, Andre Russell now, um, you know, Kieran Pollard, these guys who come in in the IPL and just hit those 25s of eight balls. Suddenly that's worth 90 points or so. Uh, rather than, as I say, 25 points, which you have done in the past. So that's exactly sort of trying to make it as intuitive as possible for those exact reasons. Um, and and then if you can find that player, that that bowler that maybe comes in and just bowls that cheeky two-over spell for eight, nine as well, they bowl those extra overs, then that then again, you get the, the high reward for that. Yeah, this is this is all really fascinating stuff. I love the nuance you're bringing to the game. And as you said, it's, it's a way of rewarding players who who might not... Be opening the batting or the bowling each time but are contributing match winning scores and or and or um overs um super interesting stuff uh, I, what's what's uh, slightly frustrating about this conversation right now is i'm starting to rethink my entire team which i spent hours preparing last night but we'll get there in just a moment um you know just two more quick questions for you um actually john just just based on this so the first one is talking about game weeks and how they work because i know a major criticism that we have on the pod and i know other cricket fans have of the blast is just how inconsistent it is you know you have a game here a game there a game kind of everywhere spread out right and i know it's again it's you know the sky the sky and uh, you know kind of broadcasting deals here they want to show as much as 
possible. And I do understand that. I, I, you know, it's a deeper discussion, but I think it actually seems to put off more casual fans from just watching a single game week with all the teams playing. How does this factor into your fantasy game? How do you how do you make these game weeks kind of add up when they're so spread out? I have to say this is probably the, the hardest bit that we're, we're coming across at the moment. So with the old Telegraph game, you used to get sort of 30 transfers and you could use them as you would through the whole of the, the season. Um, which was which was enjoyable at that stage. Well, but we understand also, which you know, fancy Premier League football is an absolute phenomenon. We we're not we're not stupid. We're not not going to look at the way they're doing things as well and trying to sort of pick up this. And the game week system, I think, because I'm not a huge football fan, but I do play fancy Premier League football because I enjoy it, and I like the game week thing that I can sort of do do a team. And if I forget about it for a couple of days or I haven't got time to go and see it, it's it's not everything's lost. Now the only problem is with the, some of the tournaments is it is game after game after game through days, and you have to break them up somewhere. As you say with the Blast, it's quite a sort of convoluted structure as far as, or almost random actually, sometimes it feels, uh, with the way we've done it. So the way we've broken up the game weeks is try to make it so there's somewhere between, I think, 32 and 40 games in total within that game week. So they're relatively consistent from that perspective. And every team must play at least once. And we try and get it that everyone's trying to play at least once or twice, and that's the max. It hasn't been completely uh, sorry, possible, I think, that everyone does play, but I think there's one or two instances where a couple of teams get three games in a game week. But there, it was if we didn't break it up in the way we did, it, it just sort of wouldn't quite work. So that, it does add its extra uh, sort of positive element to it, though. That if you're on top of that and you're looking at the game weeks and you're, you're, you're looking forward a couple of weeks, you can almost start building your team towards those, those heavy game weeks for those particular teams. So for those who really want to sort of, you know, as I say, create those Excel documents and sort of... Uh, panel up their, their transfers going forward it, it works for you which again if you're willing to put in the effort then then why not get the reward yeah that, that's great to hear and it's interesting that it jumped out to us as something tricky with with the way the blast is structured and clearly it's 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 been it's been tough for you as well you know as as somebody who's you know who's running a game that really relies on people taking care on their teams updating them regularly what kind of mechanisms do you have to help keep players engaged um, what do you kind of prioritize there well, so we, we, we started up our social channels um, on Twitter and Instagram in particular uh, a few months ago because we, when we first started out, we actually um, ran the first blast in conjunction with Wisdom, um, which was great. You know, it's sort of a, uh, to work alongside them was, was fantastic. And they gave us a great, great platform to, to start from. Clearly, they have huge amounts of cricket to report on. <laughs> they had sort of lots of uh, uh, news stories coming through on their, their feed. So, what we felt was important was to try and keep keep users in, uh, up to date with information as best we could, um, and and we now have sort of created our own um, channels so that we can do that. So every single day, if there's some news coming through, we can we can report it back. If there's some uh, players coming in, which seems to happen quite a lot now um, in counter cricket, in particular, people coming at quite random stages, we can say look out for this player. They've now been put on the game and and keep up to date. We've also got two or three just amazing characters who write lots of great team previews. And they'll find out all the squad information. They'll put together sort of probable 11s. Um, and, you know, they'll do it um, just all out of their love for cricket, which, again, is just phenomenal. There's a chap called Rory Law in particular who, who um, yeah, spends vast amounts of time putting these things together. And they're absolutely fantastic. But they're, And they're so helpful. You know, so many people read them. We had, uh, he did his first game week preview, I think, Ken Champion. had well in 600 people read it in the first sort of three or four hours it was online. Um, so all these bits, it's really important that you try and get the information out there because, as again, if you've played any kind of fancy competition, as soon as you miss that game week or as soon as you have one where you've got six players playing, you do go, oh, well, maybe that's it then, unless you're, you sort of made a sterner stuff than me anyway. So, you, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really important to try and keep that information coming for users. What One thing I, I it's one of my favourite parts about the game is the kind of little green circles 
you, you've got that kind of that are so Glenn in the game when your player is confirmed in the lineup it will come up with a green circle next to the player so you can look at your team before the games are on you don't have to be chasing around on Twitter for all of the lineups to see if they're in the team you know after a few minutes of the lineups being announced just a, a couple of minutes after the toss or something the data will come through and there'll be the green circles which is like oh fine they're playing or unless a few times it's happened where it's like uh-oh there's five red circles there. What's going on here? I suppose a lot of people last week would have had it with Potts and Beddingham. But yeah, that's something I really like anyway. And I think that'll be really good for the blast as well. Yeah, it's good of you to mention that, Zach, considering it was under much fanfare that arrived in the first week and then the second week they didn't appear at all. Unfortunately, we did manage to fix that quite quickly because, yeah, as you say, a lot of people do like that and it does make life a lot easier rather than uh, searching here, there and everywhere. But, um, yeah, no, that is uh, the problem with cricket, again, is it's not quite the same. As, like Teams like rugby, they'll, they'll announce it 24 hours before the actual starting 15s. With cricket, it's, it's half an hour, which is one of the areas that doesn't lend itself so favourably towards fantasy cricket if you're if you're not really on it. But again, hopefully the social media channels trying to retweet squad information and people who are left out, you know, who sh- who people won't expect to be left out. Um, that that's helpful, hopefully. Yeah, and also sometimes it's not even half an hour before. It's like oh, the, they've delayed the toss slightly, and then oh, they haven't got the confirmed teams till ten minutes before the game, and it's yeah, it's it's, it's a bit of a nightmare on that front. Yeah, I really the you definitely recommend listeners to follow your Twitter channels because just for the re- the retweeting of teams is going to be so helpful for the blast because obviously there's going to be so I think on well also on Wednesday there's a couple games Thursday there's a few more games and on Friday I think there's there's a full kind of nine games so uh, s- between six and six thirty on Friday that Twitter that Twitter page is going to be it's going to be popping off and that's going to be exactly what everyone needs there's, there's one there's one interesting thing with the, the, the blast actually is different from the county champ is that uh, in the county champ everyone starts at 11 so all the players get locked at that point but with the, the blast because there is a rolling game week so the first few fixtures that are played on Wednesday evening it'll only lock those squat those players so actually you can still make transfers with the other teams until their team's played which is which is helpful for those who may miss that first day of the game week as well it does actually keep you um, give you an opportunity to to sort of um, go back and, and try and make those changes if you have forgotten, which is which is really helpful. The county champ's been been great because it's it's 11 o'clock on a Thursday, so people know exactly when the deadline is. But if you do forget with this one, it, it's not such a, a problem really. John, I'll be honest. This this sounds very much like a game that's been designed by someone who knows the absolute intricacies of fantasy, the stuff that gives you headaches, the stuff that works well. And I absolutely love that you're addressing things that, to be perfectly honest, I am an avid player of, of, of fantasy Premier League. Like, it's one of my favorite hobbies. Right. And that's why I'm so excited to talk to you today. It's like you're ticking boxes that even, you know, one of the leading fantasy, um, at least in, you know, for, for, for football, one of the leading fantasy um games doesn't do it doesn't do all this and it's interesting even talking about you know the team news like that's seen as a almost an unfair advantage in fantasy football so they have to bring the game week um deadline earlier so people don't see the team news but i think it'd be more fun to know the team news and actually base it off that so i love that um this is fantastic loads more to talk about and i think we're going to just take a break there for part one part two stick with us we're going to be looking at zach and i's um teams which let's be honest will be changing a lot between now and our first uh, first deadline of the season you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back to our very special uh, T20 Blast preview. Um, we're joined with me, Zach, uh, John Welch um, from uh, Fantasy Cricket Game, which we're really, really enjoying um, right now. The cricket draft, it's been brilliant to have you talking. Me and Zach have been nerding out and we're going to dive straight into the into the teams now for the second half of the show. Zach, you've got your team. It looks dramatically different to my own. It makes me very nervous. There's a few players I barely know in there. I'll be honest. So... Tell us about your methods, tell us your team, and then get explaining some of these names that I'm not hugely familiar with, which I think is uh, is pretty wonderful. So first first thing I did was I looked at the players who over the last three years have scored the most runs. For, for my batters, that was the simple thing. I look at that and I will not look at anyone who has a strike rate of less than 140 because that's where the mark is for you starting to get extra points. I tried to do a little bit of balancing with some people who had higher strike rates than that, but I kind of generally went for players who who struck at around 150 but scored the bulk of runs. I also made sure I didn't have players who were going to be in the England Test squad. You know, I think Zach Crawley is actually, would be a very good player in, in this game, but he's probably not going to play many blast games. And there's also the England-Netherlands ODI series, which isn't happening until the end of June. But I was, I wanted to try and avoid players who were going to get picked up from that. I know Glenn, you, you've, I think you've got about five players who, who are definitely going to that. But they're all good players, so you, and you've got time to transfer them out. With the bowling, because of the detriment that is placed on high economy, I really tried to avoid bowlers who went, who went for lots of runs. I tried to pick the players who, who again over across the last three years have taken the most wickets, and the players who've who've gone at decent economy. So that kind of led me with a few spinners, to be fair. I've got Jake Linter, who was brilliant last year and brilliant in the 100, and Matt Carter. I've also just picked Sunil Narayan because I love Sunil Narayan. There's no, there's nothing to say he's going to do well in the blast, but he's a world-class player. So he's my kind of most expensive pick. I've got Tom Abel as well, obviously batting. I've got, Tom, so I'll just run through my bats. I've got Abel, Eskenazi, Bell Drummond, and Lloyd are my four batters. That's David Lloyd from Glamorgan, who overall doesn't have the best record but across the last kind of three years has been averaging pretty well and striking at about 150 so you know pretty decent numbers out there and he was he was a more kind of budget option my players i've got on the bench are i've got so I've, i've also picked players my first game week i've gone pretty much all players that have got two games in the game week and on the bench i've left i've left the players i've left hales on the bench because he's only got one 
one game and I've got I've already got two other knots players. I think they're probably going to be quite good. I've got Jacob Bethel on the bench. He's my budget option. I spoke about him, I think, every week on the podcast during the uh, Under-19 World Cup. He was brilliant and he's had a really good start to the season. He played one county championship game for Gloucestershire on loan and then he's been back playing second 11 T20 cricket for for Warwickshire or well, Birmingham Bears as they're known and he scored 195 runs at a strike rate of 193 across three games so it's, it's very good and he also has been bowling some really tidy slow left arm with a very good economy so he's another he's an all-round option yeah I've picked about seven all-rounders in total which was was a bit of an accident but they're just a lot of the best players so yeah yeah, I'm impressed, and your method methodology is intimidating, uh, Zach. I'll be honest. Uh, John, what are your initial thoughts on a the way Zach's approached the game? Any similarities with your approach? And b some of the names you're hearing? Are there any similarities with your own team? I have to admit, I haven't selected my. T- I've had a couple of goes at selecting team, but I have uh, deleted them all, and I'm going to wait for a bit of squad news to come through, just because I can see lots of things check. Like Ollie Robinson, all of a sudden, has gone to to Durham, uh, which now makes Ollie Robinson a really sort of good prospect, I think, because it looks like he's going to play a lot. Um, so it's yeah, it's interesting. I think yeah, Zach's got it pretty much nailed down. I think the game weeks clearly is a, a really good one to to focus on. Um, in England, the one thing is is a bit different is the weather, in that they do it affects so much. You, you need a bit of luck. There's no doubt there'll be a little bit of luck involved to see if all those games get in. Um, but no, I think he by the sounds of it, Zach's approach. Everyone, Jake, the Bethel's the one that um, actually I put a, a little um, survey on on Twitter the other day and. Uh, of the the one to watch are the youngest ones and Bethel was one of them he came out on top actually is the one I think everyone's looking at as as the the man to to sort of be the the guy who comes through I think this year so no absolutely I think those high strike rates as we talked about earlier and and low economies is a a great way to go and spinners are clearly absolute key in T20 cricket these days it'll be interesting to see if people go for the anchor role of the the couple of batsmen like your James Vince because uh, he probably score heavily, but will he have that strike rate um, in there to, to give you those bonus points? So, no, I think that's got it pretty much nailed down. I'm afraid, Glenn. Sorry if that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, what, one player I have got who's a bit of an anchor is is Daniel Bell Drummond. But, I mean, just I've just gone for him for kind of sheer weight of runs. I think he's he's in the top three for overall, since the blast began, run scoring. So, just sheer weight of runs and he's you know across his strike rate has just gotten better and better across his career so his strike rate is still pretty decent at about 150 so that was kind of the marker there but yeah spinners are definitely going to dominate and yeah Bethel I, th- I think Bethel could easily be kind of that player almost like you could say the Will Smead from the from the 100 last year the kind of breakthrough player of this year yeah, absolutely. And and talking of Will Smead, that's a nice segue into my team. Uh, John, I'm going to be honest, might lean on you for a little bit of workshopping here, but we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. Um, so I so Zach used stats. I used vibes with a metric. I, I went for with this team. Um, I still think it looks great, but I will make some changes, obviously, based on, you know, these these nuances that we're talking about, which I love. Um, so um, not quite in batting order, but here are the names I've got. Got Glenn Phillips, um, Riley Rousseau, Daniel Bell Drummond again, one of two players I think uh, Zach and I share. Will Smead, who I think is just is going to have a great tournament. Um, I'll get into a few of the reasons in just a minute. I'll run through the names first. Tom Banton. Moeen Ali, Liam Livingstone, Will Jacks, 
Harris Ralph, who is certainly on the chopping block. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Rashid Khan, I think the most expensive player in the game. And Fred Klassen, who I'll be honest, that was a steal from Zach after seeing his team. So that was the one, the one player I stole. So looking at this team, just a, just a couple of stats as to why I picked some of these players. Will Smead, A, he's young. He's a Somerset player. We're, me and Zach and I are fans. And he's so exciting. He averages, I read today, a boundary every five balls in his career so far across um, all the tournaments, which is incredible. He's impressed me and a lot of cricket fans in the blast. He had a strong PSL, was desperately unlucky not to get 100, and obviously was one of the breakout young stars of the 100 um, itself and the, the debut of that tournament. And he was the top scorer for Somerset in last year's blast final under quite a lot of pressure. So I do back him. Um, Riley Rousseau is a bit of a wild card. Um, so he did spend three seasons at Hampshire as a cold pack player from uh, 2017 to 19. And one of the reasons I picked him up, A, again, he's Somerset. There's a lot of excitement about this signing. And he did smash 156 off 113 balls against Somerset at Taunton um, in the Royal London Cup a couple of... Uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, one other key uh, factor, which is one of the reasons I really did include him, um, he averaged nearly just under 40 at a, at a really good strike rate of 167 in the PSL this season, taking Moulton Sautans to the final. So I tried to, you know, it was kind of vibes plus PSL performances is currently how I was working through. Uh, Glenn Phillips speaks for himself, second highest run score in the blast last year with 500 runs. And uh, this is going to be important for points at a really stunning strike rate of 163. I think he's going to be a key player if he plays a lot of the games. Uh, Will Jacks um, scored, didn't know this until this morning. He scored English um, cricket's third fastest 2020-50 last season of 15 balls. I forgot about that as um, Surrey beat local rivals and my second team, Middlesex, last season. Now, Harris Ralph, this will be the interesting one I think might have to go. He was the joint fifth highest wicket taker in this year's PSL with 16 wickets. Although, and I typed this out before I knew the consequences of this, he had a worryingly high economy of over nine runs. So one of the reasons I think he may have to make way possibly for another spinner. Um, John, how does that team look to you? How does it compare to Zach's? Uh, what do you think about my own metrics, which differ quite quite substantially in there? <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, I, I'm a vibes man as well, Glenn. So I'm, I'm down with that. I think that's that's the that's the way to go. I think that that I mean, again, it's a really strong team. The, the Glenn Phillips is the the one that's an absolute standout, isn't he, from last year? He we actually massively undervalued him last year. Um, although I have to say his form going into it didn't necessarily suggest that he was going to do what he did, which was just absolutely crunch it everywhere through throughout the whole tournament. So uh, he's he's much much higher value. Will Jacks, um, I think, it, for me, is actually is pretty much my first pick now. Um, just because I think he'll bowl a few more overs this year as well, uh, depending on how many of the overseas players sort of dominate that that Sorry picked up. Sorry squad is like, ludicrous, isn't it? So I mean, uh, <laughs> how how they're going to squeeze everyone in, I don't know. But really interesting to see how they use him. But I've noticed he's been bowling a bit in the county champ as well, so they're obviously racing yep. his bowling, and he's he's um he's one I think that will be be really good value. But um, yeah, that no, sounds great, Glenn. I think you've got a really good side together. Good. I'm feeling good. Uh, sadly, I'm not going to talk about my backup players because I blew my budget on the on the first 11, as I always do in fantasy games. And it's three no hopers on the bench. So I will be reworking that as well. Uh, John, just before we move on to our predictions for the who's going to make it to finals day, which I'm excited to dive into. Zach, as always, has some great stats about that. Uh, John, you mentioned Will Jacks. You've touched on a few other players you like, like Glenn Phillips. For people listening, just give us maybe one other player you think will smash it and maybe one other kind of you know differential is, is the term we use in fantasy sometimes but maybe a player that's going to go under the radar that you think will have a really strong season 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the one that I, from a 22 perspective, that I, as long as he's back at the IPL and he's extended, Mo and Ali is always the the man. I think he, I mean, he will bowl his overs, he will bat top three, top four, and he'll he'll score runs and he'll score them at a phenomenal rate and he'll he'll six hit and you know he's not afraid to go from ball one. So he would always be my, my guaranteed pick. I think every single time, uh, along with Jason Roy's the other one, especially at Surrey at the Oval, um, having all the home matches uh, on a on a great deck. I noticed that actually, sorry, although the, the Oval isn't, uh, Taunton is by far the highest scoring ground um, at the moment. I think potentially in world cricket, um, it's right up there as well. So I think it goes at an average of 182 per um, every, um, is the average inning score over there, which is enormous. Um, so again, if you're looking for Somerset batsman, that's that's probably in Smeed and it's not a bad shout at all. Um, my, my actual one to watch is Bethel. I think he will, he was he would be the one I'd pick because he, he's great value in the game. Um, and he, it looks like he will play. And uh, although he might not sort of, you know, bat right up there or, or get all his overs in every single game, he, he will, he'll be a fantastic value player. Fantastic, fascinating stuff. Um, Zach, any, any final thoughts on either of our teams just before we move on to those predictions? How are you feeling about the season? I know you've obviously said you've struggled in the, in the county champ. Zach, are you feeling a bit more positive about the blast? Yeah, I'm just glad I didn't have the budget to bring in Glenn Phillips. I might try and move things around and see what I can do there because I tried. I tried to bring him in and I just I did, couldn't quite work it out. Will Jacks is, a, is an interesting one. I think he's a brilliant player. And yeah, I agree. I think he'll bowl more this season. And yeah, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I suppose he's probably not in line to be picked up in that in that Netherlands, that Netherlands ODI series because it is only an ODI series unless he has a really good tournament. But, you know, Mo and Ali, you would expect to be there. Banton, you see, this is partly why I didn't pick Banton, Glenn, because he's surely going to be in that ODI squad because it's missing all the test players. Yeah. But, yeah, very excited for the for the uh, games to start tomorrow. Good stuff. Yeah. And uh, thank you both. I feel I feel somewhat valid- validated uh, by by a little bit of praise there. I need to move a few things around and strengthen my squad because, you, you know, you've got a bigger squad. It's more than just your 11 players. So I need to work on that a little bit. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about this team. OK, sticking with the blast. Um, we tried to mix it up this episode. We didn't want to just go team by team because we know that can be tiring both for listeners and us. So we just wanted to kind of really focus on the on some of the individual performers for this fantasy team. But you know, we love a good preview prediction uh, on these pods. We always get them wrong. But obviously, we need to ask Zach, John, and I guess I'll ask myself who we think is going to be making finals day. Zach, who are the four teams that you think are going to make it to this year's final day, finals day in July? So I, I think, as we mentioned, Surrey, I think, are, are looking very good. Their team on paper is 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 just silly good. They've got J- Jackson Roy opening up. They've got Laurie Evans, who was really, really good in the in the um, Big Bash for Perth Scorchers. Then they've got the Curran brothers, Sunil Narine, Kieran Pollard, and then they've got Chris Jordan and Reese Topley, which is it's just an unbelievable bowling attack and just an, an amazing team. They will, as mentioned, be ravaged by those by those Netherlands ODIs. Though I expect them to lose both the Currans, Topley and Roy, but. They've probably got the deepest squad in the tournament as well. So, you know, I expect the players who come in are still going to do well. So, yeah, I think they could easily make it to finals day. My second pick is is obviously a biased pick. I think Somerset will make it. Like we said there, so Taunton is the, bit, is the highest scoring ground in the world at the moment. And Somerset have got a batting lineup that can exploit that with Banton, Smead, Abel and Rousseau. 
in there. I, the bowling obviously is weak and it always looks bad because it, there's always runs at Taunton, but their, their death bowling is is awful. It's it's horrible to watch. So that will be a worry. I think Siddle, if I hope Siddle plays because I think he could add a bit of class there and wicket taking. He, he took loads of wickets in the Big Bash again this year. So the wicket taking is the problem, really. We don't seem to take enough wickets and then we just leave at we get there's always a someone set at the end who can hit Craig Overton for 20 off the last over, which seems to happen every single game. Uh, my third team are Kent. I think again the champions. They were so much better than anyone else last season. Really, they were deserved winners. They were so far clear in the groups, and then they got ravaged by COVID, but still made it through. I think they will lose a few to England. Crawley, like I've mentioned earlier, won't play. Uh, then, but then most of the others will will be there. They will lose Billings probably to to that ODI squad. But then they've got Cox coming through. Leaning had a great year last year, and then Bell Drummond. My final team is is Lancashire, who we haven't mentioned very much of Lancashire, but that they've got an unbelievable team if all available. With Joss Butler, I think of Finn Allen as an overseas. Liam Livingston, obviously, arguably the most informed T20 batter in the world. And then they've signed Tim David, who, if Liam Livingston isn't the most informed T20 batter in the world, Tim David is. So that team is going to be unbelievable. And then obviously they've got Saqib Mahmood and, and Matt Parkinson to bowl. So, yeah, I think Lancashire will be really strong. I'd expect them to do really well in that North group. Yeah, some fascinating picks there. I think David is someone I've, I've earmarked him on my notes here to try and get into my team. I think he'll he'll make a massive difference. He's a very astute signing. I think he's someone that you've been watching and uh, flagging up on the pod for a while now, Zach. So I'm excited, really excited to see him in the blast. John, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with Zach? Do you disagree? Any any what's what's your four in your mind at the moment that you think have a really good chance of making it to to finals day? I'm afraid it's not going to be very interesting. It's almost exactly the same as Zach in that I think Lancashire, Surrey and Somerset are just phenomenal sides. You know, their T20 pedigree is, is you know, first class and the, the players they've got at their disposal is ridiculous, especially Lancashire and, and Surrey. But Somerset are, you know, a well-strung unit. They're, they're, they're solid all the way through. I think they've got options in every department. Um, and the other one that actually, again, is a very boring pick is Nottinghamshire. I just think Nottinghamshire are always there or thereabouts. And, you know, they've got such experience in the in the big games. They always seem to to perform when it matters and you know their batting lineup is again at Trent Bridge is is, is, is fantastic and um you know I just can't see past the those those squads are ridiculous the only thing that will be an issue if they get decimated decimated by call-ups um uh, is probably their their biggest concern um but if they don't then I can't see anything, anything past those teams really yeah, it's tough because I had uh, I agree. I think I think there's some really compelling reasons for for all the teams um, you've mentioned. So I tried to throw in a bit of a wild card one. So I said Somerset and Kent. Um, I also think Sussex have a really good chance this season. They last won a title in 2009, so I think they're overdue one with their firepower. Uh, Nick Friend uh, wrote a really good um, kind of preview uh, of their of their really explosive. Um, you know, limited overs side in the cricketer this week. Uh, it really kind of compelled me to to think about them, not just as a good team, but as fantasy assets as well. I think Sussex are ones to watch for sure. Um, and then, yeah, so I've got Sussex, Somerset, Kent. I just think Kent have got the pedigree. They've, you know, they're, they're you know, got the backing of winning the last one. So there's a lot of excitement there. And then I wanted to do a wild card one because I'm sadly kind of looking at, at Surrey as well. But I wanted to leave them. I'm going to go for Yorkshire. I was thinking of Yorkshire or Worcestershire, but I'm going to say Yorkshire. I think Shadab Khan had an unbelievable PSL. And I think 
if he picks up, you know, if he plays well in English conditions, I think he can be a match winner for plenty of games. So I'm going to throw in Yorkshire's my well one, and I'm going to say Shadab Khan. That's that's my reason. <laughs> He's one of my favourite players in the world right now. And he will be making an appearance in my team tonight after I rejig a few things. Um, well, that's really exciting. Oh, Zach, what, what do you, have, have I said about five players I want to add at this point, right? <laughs> you, you, you've, I think you've just said about like five of the most expensive players in the game that are going to all fit into your side. And you said you said you were going to also sort out the squad depth as well. I think the squad depth is going to go. You're just going to have five really good players and then ten, ten kids. <laughs> I think I'm going to petition John for a for an increased budget um for the for the start of the season. That's that was it's always always our tripping point, right? Always our tripping point. Um, what my favorite thing actually in the in the Euros fantasy um was the limitless chip where you could you could change your team with no budget for a for a game week, which I thought was outstanding. I really enjoyed that. Um, cool. Well, that pretty much brings us towards the end of this. It's been a fascinating chat. I'm a really excited to get to get my fantasy team changed up after we hop off the recording, and b I. Cannot, cannot wait for the tournament to start as we said Somerset Kent will be getting us started um, tomorrow evening and that's going to be a great game I'm really excited Sky Cameras there should be a really fun one um, just before we do fully conclude um, it's really fitting to end this episode in particular by congratulating the winner of our Rain Stop Play Fantasy Premier League Adrian Achurches, Sofa King Good topped our league with a mammoth lead of 101 points i mean that is just just ridiculous um adrian also finished in the top 26k globally so it's clear to see his fantasy skill was a cut above everyone else it was a really big league actually as well it's one of the biggest ones i was playing in um so i really enjoyed that congrats adrian zach the less said about your season the better we shall move on there uh adrian if you are listening please send us a, a direct message on twitter at rainstoppod and we'll get a cricket shirt um sent over to you of uh maybe a blast one I think that'd be really fun actually we'll get a blast shirt sent over to you if you get in touch with us um we're also setting up a rain stop play t20 blast fantasy league through john's cricket draft so please make sure to check our twitter page today to see how to sign up on that um and that pretty much concludes it john thank you for being a fascinating guest i'm sure we could talk for another hour but we want to we want to keep keep on schedule for you and our listeners so thank you so much for joining us thank you very much for having me really enjoyed it Absolute pleasure. Zach, thank you so much. Um, you looking forward to the season starting uh, this week, Zach? Very much so. I can't wait. I'm really in the mood now as well. We've got we've got games, we've got some great clashes early on, and we've got some fantastic fantasy cricket to dive into as well. So thank you all so much for listening. Um, we'll be back pretty soon. I think previewing the New Zealand uh, test series will be coming up um, on our radar relatively soon. And yeah, um, thank you so much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.